Now, we can't do what God can do, and God will not do what He wants us to do. But our desire is that every Estonian will get the chance to hear the true news of the gospel through the lips of someone who truly follows Jesus. Hi, everyone, and welcome to First Person, a weekly conversation with a guest who always reminds us of the power of God to redeem a life and bring purpose to living. Today, we'll meet a young man from Estonia who has a deep desire to see his countrymen know and follow Christ. Before I introduce our guest, a reminder of our website, which is available as a resource for additional information, it's firstpersoninterview.com. Our schedule of upcoming guests and an archive of previous interviews is all online at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, after centuries of occupation by various oppressors, Estonia, one of the Baltic nations, gained its freedom from Russia in 1991. Since then, this tiny country has emerged as a young, dynamic nation striving to catch up with its European neighbors. A young man came to my studio a short time ago, introduced to me by a mutual friend. His name is Lahari Kostel. Lahari is from Tallinn, Estonia, the capital city, and he's working hard to bring the message of the gospel to his country in 2012 with the hope of reaching the entire continent of Europe through what is being called Heartbeat Talon in cooperation with Crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ. As Lahari and I talked, I wanted to learn his own faith story of how he came to Christ in a country dominated at the time by communism. My parents uh, were ministers, worked back in the Soviet time, uh, for the threat of their life to share the gospel. So what they did was illegal. And uh, our family especially was very blessed because um, my parents were not taken to prison or to Siberia or, or any of, of that scary, scary stuff. Though my grandfather was in prison for several times for unfair reasons. But your parents were, your, your father was a pastor? Yes, my father pastored a church, a Baptist church, a Baptist free evangelical church in western Estonia. But the profession he had was a kind of secret profession. So he couldn't, he couldn't make his living or be officially as a pastor. So he was earning the income for the family as a carpenter. And my mother was a Sunday school teacher and... Um, by the time when Estonia got free, she was a leader for Child Evangelism Fellowship for Estonia. She was directing that ministry in Estonia for several years. Especially interesting, uh, I, I remember so many of them, but I also heard so many stories about how the Sunday schools took place in the Soviet times when basically people were not in some occasions even allowed to gather, and especially if they would gather around the Word of God, you know, that would really take people into trouble if, if the neighbors would have told KGB. So like how the, in a certain times, how the, the children or the families approached the place where, where the Sunday school took place, like everyone was given a certain time and different directions and the curtains were closed and it was really like an underground club or something like that. And, uh, and another thing that, that popped to my mind is, is how Christian literature and how Bibles were smuggled to the Soviet Union territory. And I don't know, for some reason, our family was known in the West and, 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 and several times people came to uh, bring uh, secretly 
Christian literature and Bible, and, and I especially remember this one occasion when I was, uh, I think I must have been in the age of five or four, perhaps. I was alone at home with, uh, together with my sister, and uh, suddenly uh, somebody knocks at the door and asks if this is the coastal family living here. That's my family name. This, if this family is living here, and well, what could a kid say? I said, certainly, yes. Though I realize that if somebody comes to your door and asks if this is this family, you might be in big trouble back at those times. But you were a child, so what What did you know? Huh? Yeah, well, I knew that it's it's bad. It could be bad, but I, yeah, I was sincere, so I said yes. And then the people, like two people... Uh, I remember the man was dressed like Sherlock Holmes, like rather tall. And, and when the, the, at the time when they entered a room, they were like rather, to say, large in size and had these big coats on and a hat and everything. And they go, can we change our clothes? And that's like seemed a bit weird to me, like people I never see before <laughs> and don't know who they are. They come, can we come and change? I said, well, you know, you can use the back room if you need. I mean, just go ahead and do it. And and then for 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 a while, I just hear this sound, you know, when people change clothes. And and then for after a while, they they come out and they say, well, we're done and and we would like to leave now. Now, the people coming out of that room were like so many times slimmer <laughs> than, than compared to when they entered the room. And I realized before they left that there were piles of Christian literature. I don't remember all that, but I believe it was lots of to do with with uh, resources for my mother to do the Sunday school things. And when my parents came home, of course, first they were really angry with me because we were told that we can't let foreigners tour the house. Hmm. But certainly when they realized the blessing that was brought to our house through these sure. visitors, they, they praised the Lord. Well, that's an amazing story. Now, you were still a child when freedom came to Estonia. You were what, maybe eight, nine years old, I'm guessing? Yes, nine years old. Uh, that was 20 years ago when Estonia got free uh, from the Soviet how occupation. How much do you remember about what was going on and how much did you comprehend what was going on? Uh, I remember quite well and I'm actually very thankful that um, that I, I, I have those memories uh, because sharing the gospel and and doing the evangelistic work today is now legal back at that times it was illegal and and especially remembering and experiencing how difficult it was for my parents to work and trying to trying to do that work has given me the, the courage and commitment to do whatever i can during the time that we can we can do this it's legal what we're doing and 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 we can reach out to people and nobody will put you to prison for that but i realized that there is no guarantee when this uh, freedom could be taken away from us because you know just just think for a moment it's 20 years ago it's not that long time ago not very long 20 years ago all that stuff was illegal and you could get into serious trouble by 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 the evangelistic work, or, or you basically were not able even to to organize outreach campaigns or, or things like that. I do remember when, for the fir- very first time, uh, the Christmas gospel, the gospel of Lu- from the Gospel of Luke, how Jesus was born, 
uh, was read into the central square of Tallinn. And they believe the year must be in 86, 87, around that time. It was publicly time. read. Yes, that was the, the first the time. Yes, and that was a, a, a one uh, elder pastor, a very respected pastor. And I don't remember exactly how that event was organized, but I remember that my brother and sister sang in the choir. And I remember that my parents were really afraid and, and what was the tension out there because you don't know what the you know government people come and just take you away or whatever. But it was a bunch of people that uh, that were gathering out there. And, and that was, that was I believe, the first time that the, the gospel was read out in such a circumstance. And it's amazing now, you remember that much. Yes, but what is special about it is that now... 20 years later, at the same square, we're doing outreach events and, 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 and evangelical concerts together with the city government. And the city government actually helps and even pays of some of the things that we are doing. So you can imagine what the meaning that has to the yeah. even older generation Christians that I am. You mentioned the music and, and the choirs. Just take a very brief minute and explain why that's culturally so important to Estonia. Music has always been important. That is true. Um, well, Estonia has some of the largest choirs in the world. And every second to fourth year, uh, we do what is called a song festival. And uh, the choir in the song festival can be as large as 30,000 singers under one conductor. So the singers come across the land together to sing. Now, this tradition has been going on since 1864, but uh, the, during the Soviet times, there were several songs that were forbidden or banged not to, not to be sung and things like that. But this singing, this unity that can be actually felt only when you are present in the festival like this and the Festival crowds are always like hundreds of thousands of people and, and our population is only 1.5 million. So you can imagine how large percentage of it our large nation actually yeah. comes together. Um, that's really part of our culture and singing and music is something that every Estonian can kind of link himself to. And that was part of the... The bloodless revolution, right? Music played an important part. In yes, uh, that is true. And I believe it's, it's, it's one of a very few or probably the only part of the world's history that a nation can gain freedom from another rule without a battle, without a single gunshot, but still doing something that is under the category of revolution. But what the revolution is about is about singing. It's about music, and uh, and that was that unity was so powerful among the people in our area that it just gave the courage and and it helped us to proceed forward in a way that the Soviet army couldn't do anything. And I mean, after all, wouldn't it be stupid? If all the you can imagine the festival grounds is like it's shaped a little bit like an amphitheater, and you can see all these thousands or tens of thousands of people singing there without any of them having a gun with them, and so could you imagine like some army coming and just shooting all of those people who have not even brought their guns with them? That would be kind of stupid or silly. <laughs> so that did not happen, 
But if you can imagine for the national anthem of the United States to be forbidden or banned for many years, and you're not allowed to uh, take out your flag, you call them stars and stripes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then suddenly, after a certain amount of time, maybe over 40 years, there is somewhere a gathering and somebody just goes silently mumming the national anthem of the United States, And then the crowd spontaneously bursts singing that. And then somebody takes out the forbidden flag. Oh. But because everyone has those flags in their pocket, they would take <laughs> it out as well. So you can imagine what the momentum is there on the ground. And this is just very briefly describing how actually the, revo- the revolution happened. So not a single gunshot, not a single piece of blood. Coming up, we'll talk about an evangelistic campaign planned for Estonia with today's guest, Lahari Castell. Next week, you'll meet Bob Bakke, who has studied prayer and knows its power. And we're seeing these movements of, of united prayer that cover the earth. And I'm expecting either the second coming of Jesus or the greatest awakening in the history of the earth in the coming years. We'll learn about great prayer movements of the past and apply those lessons to today. That's next time you join us for First Person. Lahar, you grew up in a Christian home, uh, a home that was under the thumb of Russia, as was all of the country of Estonia and so many other republics that didn't want to be a part of the Russian oppression, but actually were. But when did Christ become real to you? When did your parents' faith become your faith? I was at the age of 12 when I wanted to make it clear with God, and I gave my life to him and said that I want to follow you with everything that I have, with every talent and gift that you have given me. I want to give it back to you. But as you mentioned yourself, being in the family like this when ministry was just, you know, part, not part, but actually was all our life was sure. about ministry. It was a natural thing. Yes, it was a natural thing. So in that sense, following those steps of my parents and, uh, and following the will of God, if you, if you like, was since I was a very little child, or I would say since my birth, my, my, uh, my parents sometimes like to tease me telling that I was born in the car, which is not true, actually. <laughs> But by, what they mean by that is because the church that my father pastored was like... Uh, about 70 kilometers, which could be around 50 miles, I guess, uh, away from our home. Mm-hmm. So compared to the distances in U.S., is that not such a big deal? But in, the, in, in, in our area, it's, it's, it's quite a bit unusual. So I was always with my parents going to these mission trips or outreach events or church services. So that became a natural path of my life. And, and, and also joining the ministry later on was just a natural path of my life. Let's talk about Estonia today. Uh, it's been 20 years. I assume that the, the natural curiosity people had about religion maybe has been quelled a little bit. Um, maybe they're not quite as curious as they once were. Maybe they're a little more hardened, so to speak. What is the spiritual climate like in Estonia? According to the recent European poll, Estonia is the least religious country in the Europe. In fact, one of the least religious countries in the world. And you might wonder, well, how is that? Um, We need to make sure we understand here what that means. Um, In the world today, I believe everyone, 
probably most of the countries in the world are going through uh, difficult times spiritually. Now, um, in Estonia, according to that poll, less than 1% actually claim having any religious affiliations. So what these, the rest of the 99% then do, uh, if you're told for 50 years that God doesn't exist and Jesus is not the answer, well, finally, you will start believing that and it parts like natural part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I have met so many people that have never been in the church, so many people who know nothing about even what's the point of Christianity. So I say they have not even been given an opportunity to hear about Jesus. So does that make it hard for you as you minister in Estonia? It's challenging, but I would say by the response that we see from the people that people need Jesus and people need answers desperately. In many cases, they just don't know where to seek, where to look for the answers. But I wouldn't say that what we're doing, what we're doing through our ministry in that terms is, is difficult because people would be aggressive towards that. I would say the opposite. The problem is that just when you bring this up, the first reaction is, well, I don't have time for this because I have enough problems. Well, we know that the true source of filling the empty spot that every human being has is the relationship that we can have with the Father through Jesus Christ. That is sometimes challenging for them to understand, but their response and their welcome of the gospel is actually very encouraging. 2012 is going to be a very interesting year of ministry, Lord willing, in Estonia. Tell me about what plans you're making. Uh, You're making no small plans. You're making large plans. Uh, for God's Spirit to work in Estonia. What's what's going to happen? In the summer of 2012, in the last week of July, uh, the Ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ will bring to Estonia all their staff across Europe, which is truly exciting. So we will be having people coming from all the countries around Europe so and beyond. So that's thousands of people, right? That's thousands of people. And why they are coming is because we have a vision that there is a time of new revival, new spiritual wave, not only for Estonia, but for entire Europe. And uh, the cities today are where people come together. And we need to, as Christians, we need to find ways and we, we, we need to change the spiritual course in the cities. So Heartbeat Tallinn, in July 2012, is we say Holy Europe meets in Tallinn. It's about impacting the city of Tallinn, which is the capital of the country of Estonia. And by this, we believe we could actually impact the entire nation. Now, we can do what God can do, and God will not do what he wants us to do. But our desire is that every Estonian through this effort, could get the chance to hear the true news of the gospel through the lips of someone who truly follows Jesus. And you believe, before God, that if that spark is ignited in Talon, that it could spread to other parts of Europe afterwards. So that's that's the vision you have for this. That is absolutely true. Uh, people that are coming across Europe are not just coming, they are coming to serve and they are coming to participate and, and to experience what God is doing. We, we say we, we promise to people who are coming to see God enact in a small country of Estonia. 
But actually the idea is that when they go back to their own cities and their own towns, that they could be empowered in a way that could release a revival in any place they could go. Because as a Christians, as being part of the body of Christ, all of us, by the DNA that we have as part of the body of Christ, we can release revival anywhere we go if we have enough faith. And uh, what was really interesting for our staff to study recently uh, was several prophetic messages that have been given out before, not to us, but we just somebody brought this uh, this information to us that we're told that a new spiritual revival will start from Estonia and it is to do with music and singing and it will sweep across Europe. I don't know if it has nothing to do with the mission effort that we're doing next summer, but what I do know is that it's probably one of the largest mission efforts ever held in Europe because it brings together thousands of people, thousands of volunteers for over 13 countries do a one-week outreach to over half a million people. I know you're working so hard on this, and I know you have uh, people lined up like Josh McDowell, our mutual friend, and Andre Cole of uh, Campus Crusade and and others as well. Um, Music? Obviously, has to be an important part of this, right? You have some big concert venues, do you? Yes. Uh, the The outreach week uh, will consist of program taking place all over the city in different parts. But one of the major things that we are doing and praying for is taking place in the brand new soccer stadium in Tallinn, and uh, we we are we're we're planning to mobilize the entire body of Christ in Estonia and in neighboring neighborhood countries to come together to celebrate the unity that we have in Jesus. And certainly music will play an important role in that celebration. This is to take place in the summertime. Uh, what week in the summer of 2012? The last, this is easy to remember, July is the seventh month. So uh, last week of July of 2012. And seven is a heavenly number, so I think it's easy to, <laughs> to remember. Last week, July 2012, the whole Europe meets in Tallinn. Yeah. What's the best thing in your mind's eye? That, what, what's the best thing that could happen as a result of, uh, of this effort? I think that if anyone that doesn't have a relationship with God before can find a personal relationship with Jesus through this effort, I believe we're doing big success. But my dream, my dream for this event is that not only Estonia would be changed forever, but literally the entire Europe could be start changing step by step so that now Estonia being the least religious country in the world could be turned into the most passionate followers of Christ and Europe, which is one of the most concerned areas areas in the world spiritually today, could be changed into a new source of love and, uh, and, and blessing that only God can give to anyone. Lahari's vision for what the Lord might do is very aggressive, but I hope you'll join me in prayer for this gospel proclamation taking place in 2012, starting in Tallinn, Estonia, and hopefully spreading to the other nations of Europe and beyond. I have no doubt that the vision this young man has was given to him by the Lord, and as we know, with God, all things are possible. You want to find out more about Heartbeat Talent, so we've placed links to the event at firstpersoninterview.com. Once again, that's firstpersoninterview.com. You'll be able to pray in advance of the various aspects of this project and then follow along throughout the year. Again, firstpersoninterview.com. 
Well, this is our final program of the year, so it's an appropriate time to say thanks to you for listening, and thanks to the radio stations who provide the time each week for First Person. Next week, you'll meet Dr. Bob Bakke. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us in 2012 for First Person. First Person.